Hello, everybody. Um, this is Brother Wolf. Uh, and Collins is, of course, here, too. You hear the glass jingle. You, it's YNB, chump. <laughs> YNB Collins here. And uh, oh, today we're going to go to a classic uh, recording that we had, one from our lost season. This recording happened in year in the year of our Lord, 2021. <laughs> and you should see the stale face I have right now. All of a sudden, he's Anno Domini. <laughs> and uh, during this uh, time period, uh, there was one play that had dominated that the uh, the waves of the internet and um, in Disney Plus and Broadway and all that stuff. And that you, was ha- well, yeah, it was like you know what it is. It's Hamilton. It was Hamilton. So me and him did an episode on it, and uh, it would have been the next episode that would have went up uh, behind the rest of the season one episodes. But uh, because the episodes were lost until recently found. um, We haven't even recovered all of them. We just recovered a few. uh, This one we're going to go ahead and uh, introduce to y'all now. So enjoy. Whatever you are, everyone, we are at the Benchmark Podcast. Today is, today is special because I'm getting put on the hot seat. Why am I getting put on the hot seat? Especially I've had a long night of gym. Uh, I'm getting put on the hot seat because Brother Wolf has implored upon me multiple times to watch the fame, the renown, the hit, Hamilton. So, finally sat down, watched Hamilton, and he's like, I'm going to ask you anything about it. Don't watch anything else. Watch that. Get back to me, and I want to go ahead and grill you about Hamilton. And my concerns were, what are you doing watching a musical? And then I found out everybody else watched it. Well, it had to be that good, right? And I will say, at the end of the day, I am glad I watched it. As a friend of mine once put it, Hamilton is able to humanize a figure of America's creation so that today's America can understand it. And for that, we can appreciate it because we are what? Doomed to repeat our history if we don't learn from it. So with that said, I'll let Brother Wolf go ahead and put on the uh, put on the executioner's hood and pull out his tools. So today is all about making fun of me and how much I didn't catch for this <laughs> arguably great, 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 great Broadway musical. Brother Wolf, take it away. The thing which I really like about Hamilton, and I wanted to go ahead and make sure that everybody understood it, is that a lot of it is something in which you run into in a lot of movies. Whereas the first time you see it, you don't get the entire deeper conversation. You get a later conversation on it. So this is actually me coming from the third or fourth time watching Hamilton. And it's a real sticking point with me, which is, is it better to wait for it? Or is it better to not waste your shot? The question is, is truly who is the hero of the story of Hamilton. Because you have to wonder what would have happened, where the path of America would have gone had Hamilton had completed his destiny. I'm going to interrupt you right there for a quick second because I want to define destiny. 
it has been largely proclaimed by a lot of people that if Hamilton would not have died during his duel with Burr, he would have easily been able to defeat James Madison for his presidency, which happened after Thomas Jefferson. James Madison was not a likable person, and he was always seen as Thomas Jefferson's second hand. He wasn't seen as being a person that could stand on his own and was thought of as being very weak when it came to the wars against Britain. So my question is, is would it have been the best case scenario for America had Hamilton been elected president? Oh, that's a lot to unpack all in one statement. All right. Hamilton as president. Hamilton as president. Hamilton as president. Man, it's too early. Hold on. <laughs> You're trying to go ahead and ask me really intelligent questions while I'm hungover. Don't really appreciate that. Um, let me go ahead and start off by rambling so that way I can hopefully come to an answer. So, full disclosure, I'm not an American history buff. I was rather ignorant about timelines and facets. Going into this play, I knew Hamilton was treasury. I knew Burr shot him. And there was a milk commercial back in the day. <laughs> like, that's, that's and what's really upsetting is how American of me is that? But it's never been anything that truly captivated me and I guess simply put if you were able to go ahead and allow slavery do I want to deal with you or is the concept of the nation so good that we're able to go ahead and what back burner this till we can go ahead and play it and deal with it appropriately that's problem number one I have and especially coming from I mean I can't repeat the line but how many times did Burr insist with this refrain the the the, the son of a the orphan Bastard, you know, child right here. Mm-hmm. All the, the Creole was, bastard. No, no, that was the intimation in the uh, White House. But yeah. you know the 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 war torn orphan. How did he become the person to sit at the right hand of the father? <laughs> oh, I'm not going to go that far. But I will say this: that leads me to my next point. Hamilton's entire push is based off two things. His ability, his, his charisma, and then being able to influence Washington. I think with the play intimated in my mind, my esteem, is that without Washington's backing, Hamilton would not have gone as far in politics as he would have to begin with. So if we had something else happen or without Washington's help, I think Hamilton would not be anything but a, uh, a footnote. So with that said, we have what? George Washington pushing him. Hamilton not showing anything else. So the most important person is Washington. His influence is that strong. Now, Hamilton's ability whatsoever, it was to be able to convince others. So I think if Hamilton would have been president, it would have taken America into a bolder direction. The problem being is this, is that America at that time was for landowners, specifically white land. And that, of course, leads me to the concern that he was intimated as a Creole bastard. The only person I know is Creole is somebody who's black. And that's something of fascinating history that no one really wants to go over. 
and looking at some of the portraits of this man when I was looking up, I put in Hamilton, I might have had an image search on or pull up an old portrait as well. Looks like he was passed on blue. Um, I will completely agree with you on that one. I thought that was one of the hidden facets of Hamilton was it really talked heavily about whitewash, which is uh, something in which I think was also uh, a thing with it. And one of the things in which people have said, there's a large contingent of people out there that believe that had Hamilton have been elected president, it would have been a lot sooner that we would have ran into a civil war. Because what would have happened was he would have probably banned slavery. And you know what? The, uh, the, the two things I think of when you brought about the play are Jefferson and Madison. And then, of course, all the corollaries that follow from that. They're being from Virginia. They're being from the South. They're being uh, plantation owners and therefore having benefited from slavery because, uh, as Hamilton tried to indicate, hey, the only reason your state debt's paid off is because the labor was free in the first place. Would you have actually made it as successfully if you hadn't done that? And that's a very, very, very distinct point. But it also makes me wonder this. Is that the reason why you were trying to fold Virginia in, not to go ahead and have any sort of moral superiority stance, but you needed their money for this nation to exist? Where we're literally based off slavery no matter what, whether it be ideologically or financially, we're based off slavery. And that's something that really does not sit well with me as a concept. I mean, I agree with you on that concept. And the one thing is, is if we continue with this thought that um, Hamilton would have been definitely against slavery, slavery and abolishing it, would it be easy to uh, assume that had the United States had engaged in a civil war uh, much more quicker than what it did, it would have allowed it a lot easier to be taken over by a foreign power? Uh, that, first off, that seems a little too uh, on point for today's topic. And by today's topic, I mean the current state of affairs in the U.S. Um, I'm going to argue this, that with Hamilton able to put Jefferson in the presidency to begin with, with his endorsement over Burr, him being able to go ahead and have the creation of the bank, I believe Hamilton would have found a way through. I believe with, how many uh, essays did he write? 51? Yeah. F 51. <laughs> 51 educated, intelligent essays in six months. Right. And that's one after, thing. I, Madison quit after 25. I just want to go ahead and stress that again. Madison quit after 25. Uh, and here's the other thing. Going back to Madison, if he wasn't a liked individual, if he was a Jefferson crony at best. I think one of the most telling points of the play is King George's appearances and his last appearance when he looks at the crowd, breaks the fourth wall and goes, John Adams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. Like you hear the, 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 the disdain for the man. You hear yeah. the fact that, oh, you put the town idiot in charge of finances. <laughs> It should be interesting. And you just literally grab your popcorn like your T.O. and wait to see what happens. I believe Hamilton 
although polarizing, was not actionable. Does that make sense? Yes, it, it, it does greatly make sense. And like you said, the room where it happens is a stroke of genius because this, um, it, it, if you can imagine, three men go into a room and both, both sides are diametrically opposed to what each side has to offer. And at the end of it coming out, both sides come out happy. And that, and that is something that you don't see in politics ever. Much less politics in life. In life, yeah, correct. So you're telling me that I want two avocados, you want $50, or you know, you want $3 because they're $1.50 today. In some kind of way, we both come out where everybody's happy, even though we wanted a price differential. That's an amazing ability to mediate and influence. And it, going back to what I was saying about the current state of affairs, we did, we've always lived off of social influence. We've just monetized it by using Facebook likes. Does that make sense? Or, or you giving it a quantity. So Hamilton was doing it back then to begin with. Yeah. So I, 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 I see him taking the country in a bold direction. I don't know if it would have been the best for everybody. I'm not sure we would have had a civil war. We might have had skirmishes, but I don't believe we would have had a full-on civil war. So let me ask another question then. Would it have been better because Hamilton was leading America than it would have been Lincoln leading America through the abolitionists of slavery? Okay, so this is where I want to go ahead and break. Once again, everything I'm using, I'm specifically pulling from the play, not my own very limited history of the founding fathers. While I was watching the play, I noticed something. When Hamilton wanted, wanted, wanted to get a command, he wanted to go ahead and lead. George Washington's character looked at it and said, you know, the first time I was uh, given a platoon, everybody died, basically, is what he said. So why are you in charge? That was the very first thing Collins told me when he first uh, heard that was he said, why is Washington in charge if he lost, you know, and that was the whole thing. But uh, I told him it was basically Mission Impossible, <laughs> the command in which he had. And so it was very important in order to realize that a win in that was just him surviving. And to tie it together is that Hamilton had no military experience. At least that's not what the play intimated. I didn't find any up to that point. So you're telling me this man was going to lead the forces of a civil war? I don't see him as a... As a figurehead, yes. As an actual general, no. I, I don't see him doing that with any sort of success. And I hate to go ahead and be that petty guy, but even with Burr being a known disgraceful shot, Burr hit him. Hamilton didn't. Now, of course, the argument is that Hamilton pulled his shot so he didn't hit, but a known bad shot still hit you. Did he hate you that much where he was able to focus and hit you? Would Hamilton have not hit no matter what and it wouldn't have happened? I uh, I question his ability to lead in a military application. It's always easy to talk about, and, and, and I wish Rev Ross was here, but one of the things he taught me was that I personally do, don't like James Tiberius Kirk. I know a lot of people want to go ahead and cause me pain for that. But I was able to pull back my stance when Rev Ross told me one specific thing. Kirk is a wartime captain. 
when you're in war, you have to treat things differently. And if you're not at war, consequences are minimal. Minimal. But when you're at war, you know there's lives on the line, there's supplies on the line, there's trust in you. There's a lot more that goes into that. And I personally would, one, be afraid of the implications of any act I do. And two, I don't want that power. I don't want that responsibility to know that I can't tell you of a skirmish in history, in armed history, where there wasn't a loss of life. I I agree. I, I don't know of any that, that didn't happen. And uh, it feeds more into, like you said, what Washington told uh, Hamilton. He said, dying son is easy. Governing is harder. Yeah, you know, and, and if you can't live to the next day, what does it mean? I, frightens me as a, as a thought, as a, as a concept, but you know what? That's why Washington arguably is the greatest impactor in the play because his, he is the linchpin to everything else. He connects everything. Even though it's Hamilton, George's influence and push and expertise and acumen are what connects everybody throughout the play. And as King George said, you can leave? You can do that? I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, speaking of King George for a second, I do believe it would have been better if King George would have been a disembodied voice. Having him appear was jesterish, but I think having him disembodied a voice and use tone without a figure would have been much more definitive for what you were trying to go ahead and explain. So whether it be the failure with John Adams, whether it be... Uh, the, the initial announcement of I am the king and you realize, oh, yes, we're still under rule. I, I think that would have been better for the play as well. I mean, I, I really I, I do think that that makes a very good point. Uh, perhaps his appearance, while, while it was legendary and uh, Groff is a great uh, thespian. And also uh, the, George's pipes, just credit where credit is due. <laughs> The best th singers in that entire performance were between uh, the girl who played Angelica, excuse me, the woman who played Angelica, King George, and George Washington. Those three had the best pipes. Like, I will listen to them, even though it might not necessarily be a song I want to hear. Uh, they had the best uh, chops on them as far as actual vocal talent and wanting to hear them singing it. I mean, basically, when you see uh, One More Time, and you see that that was the last performance of um, of him in the play as Washington. You can see the tears in his eyes when he was explaining that you almost get from the reference that he knew he was going to have to leave for the betterment of the country, which was something nobody wants to give up power. But he realized for the country to survive, he had to do it. And also, this was going to be that uh, that actor's last time as in that role. Um, you really got uh, extra emphasis on it. Petty thought. You sure that just wasn't sweat? I mean, you saw the ruffles on that thing? And yeah. he's in the middle of the Broadway lights. And like I said, he was belting out hard. I, that's not tears. That's just sweat, bro. I, I, I got to agree with uh, 
with Collins on that one, then you're, you're probably right. It may have been sweat. But, you know, you can interpret whatever you want to from a plate. Well, sometimes. you can, but we want to make sure it's within reason. That's that's the problem we always have. Uh, one, one thing that they also brought up during the play was the, uh, was the fact that at the end, Eliza, when she makes the gasp, nobody knows what that was for. And you can look at it online, and uh, Miranda actually says that he didn't write that into the play. Eliza did it. And when you ask Miranda and Eliza what did it mean for the play, neither one of them has an answer. They say it was basically whatever you interpret it as meaning. That's so the so modern era art bullshit. That's that's, <laughs> that's a cop out. That's a cop out. That's one of those. You telling me you wrote this whole nuanced play, and you mm mm not pineapples. Don't like it. Don't want it. Um, <laughs> everything is up to interpretation. Sometimes I will say this though. Yes, perspective is important because your perspective determines how you view it, interpret it, and we're hoping that we're able to find enough common language to get the same message across. It, it reminds me of the Inception argument. I believe it was a movie in a movie. Quote, unquote, you know what I mean? I also believe that I wouldn't say it was reconciliation, but going back to perspective, this is Lin-Manuel Miranda's interpretation based off the hours of research he did and what he wanted to do. And what happened? He didn't write that in. So we don't need to ask Manuel Miranda. <laughs> we need to ask the actress who played Skylar, what did you mean by that? Right. Because you did it for a reason. Something moved you. Maybe you just thought, oh, this will have dramatic timing. That's fine. I used it. <clears throat> dramatic license is utilized all the time, especially in Broadway when you can't go ahead and recreate everything. So... To go ahead and speak on Hamilton for a second. The stagecraft was wonderful. It was wonderful. I think they could have used the uh, rafters a little bit more. And I think they could have done a little more with, for lack of a better term, toy props to use horseback riding or something of that nature to go ahead and have a better battlefield idea, you know? But, come on, man. Wonderful stagecraft. You've got everybody at different parts. You have the moving stage. So that way you can go ahead and put something in the foreground. Come on, the eye of the hurricane? I mean, really? Yeah, no, incredible credits do. Look, first off, I couldn't have stayed still in that pose for that long when the dude in the back had his leg out and his hands crossed, our hands spread out like, like in a short form of the cross. I couldn't do that. So to be able to have everybody in sync on a moving stage holding something in a pose, better than me, boss. Better than me. I mean, I, I will completely agree with that. And the uh, one thing at the duel at the very end, um, to have the girl that was portrayed as the, uh, the bullet actually guiding the bullet alone to Hamilton. And it happened more than once. Don't forget that. And, and it happened more than once. Give her a due. But she guides the bullet alone to Hamilton. And at this point in the play, the entire uh, play was actually holding her back, trying to stop her from doing it. Because they knew what it would mean in more ways than one. Not only was it the end of Hamilton's life, but also the end of the play. And which is what they they, they really were. Uh, they were all at the moment in a moment of emotional uh, withdrawal from the situation almost. Emotional withdrawal? Because 
Well, it, you, when you're in a play, you're on an emotional high, right? But you know, at the end of the play, you know you're going to be um, emo. You're going to have all of that emotional high leave away from you. Okay, uh, I'll give. You I that. know there was probably a better way in order to state that, but that was my thoughts on it. Well, you my, know what? I want to go ahead and hit you with a few small things because I was taking notes only because there was a lot of things that happened. And one thing I wanted to go ahead and get at you is this. I, I told you earlier before, I was confused that when the King George character appeared on stage, everybody clapped. And I'm, I'm, so tra- I'm such a trained American, I'm almost ashamed to say this. <laughs> when everybody clapped, I was confused because I was like, if this is a play about America, England's the bad guy. And that's one thing I think that is very distinctive is that no one was truly villainized throughout the play. There was nobody to get a definitive boo for. Even Hamilton's indiscretion with uh, Maria? Yeah. Maria Maria Reynolds? Reynolds. Yeah. That indiscretion should have been like, man, you messed all the way up. But just like the movie Selma, it showed nuance to the character. So what's really being done here? And I wonder what would have happened if Miranda would have made it such that Burr were more in a negative light or Hamilton were more in a negative light. So imagine if Hamilton's just a, a, a despicable figure in, in Manuel's interpretation. When Burr shoots him, that culmination, we freed the yoke. We've gotten rid of one of the founding fathers who could have, depending on your perspective, put us on a road to the Civil War if you want to say that he would have brought about Civil War due to abolishing slavery. I mean, one of the things that Miranda made sure to mention is, and he said it because people have oftentimes come to him and been like, what about uh, Hamilton's indiscretions? What what kind of hero are you setting up when you set up Hamilton in this play? And he says, there are no heroes in Hamilton. He says, as a matter of fact, there are no villains in Hamilton. He said, these are all just men that one way or another have their role to play in the founding of our nation. Here's my problem with that is that I don't want to agree with that because at that point, without any sort of compass, the ship goes askew. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that at all. I, and I get it. It's, it's hard for us uh, that have lived in an age of uh, so many stereotypical, uh, stereotypical plots and everything like that that we've lived in to have a situation Whereas, uh, whereas they, we don't have a clear hero and a clear villain in the story. It, I know we, we come to the point where as we believe that um, it's necessary for a story to have a clear hero and a clear villain. And I think that's the challenge of the play. Well, I want to go ahead and hit you on that for one thing. I have done a few things in my life with villains and whatnot. Like, I've done a villain panel at a few conventions and stuff like that. And one of the things that makes me laugh is when I looked up the word, the definition of the word villain, I got completely shocked because I assumed as a child of the 80s, a villain was the major bad guy. Uh, you know, the person who's doing, for lack of a better term, the actual antagonist. That's what I thought a villain was. And when I looked it up, I got a completely different nuance to it. And reading it up, villain, in a film, novel, or play, a character whose evil actions or motives are important to the plot. And then if you look at other archaic definitions, there doesn't have to be an individual person that's it. 
case in point, nature is usually perceived as a villain or the obstacle to go ahead and surmount in some cases. So in that case, do you really have a villain? What about uh, journeys of self-discovery and growth? You're defeating yourself. How can you oppose yourself? That, that's like the old, I'm hitting myself. You're not hitting yourself. I'm hitting. No, you, you, you're, you're there trying to go ahead and overcome something. So when you redefine villain in that sense, yeah, I get it. But I still say that, hey, if you agree with that concept, then you have a problem with what Hamilton said against uh, Jefferson with all of his money coming from slavery. We have a moral compass. We have a standard that we need to follow. And that's why I disagree with that. I, you just brought up something that made me really think. And it was something that I wasn't thinking about before, as opposed to perhaps the villain of the story and the hero of the story were the same person. But at the same point in time, um, you also made me at the end of that uh, at the end of that discussion when you brought up Jefferson, it it could possibly be viewed that he was the antagonist of that story, not Burr. Almost, I think. Burr, I, so I'll go ahead and uh and do the cheesy answer. I think Burr was the vessel. I don't think he was the actual antagonist. In the way Man Miranda sets it up, Hamilton is the foil for himself. He's his he's his villain and he's his own hero. It's it's I got a friend of mine. I love him to death. But uh, the, the the good thing about him is that he does him. The bad thing about him is that he does him. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and and to, to explain that more, and this is actually very appropriate because this is what Hamilton did. Uh, my friend will go do things to his own detriment. So case in point, he'll go ahead and have a bill due. But you know what he wants? He wants sushi right now. And he'll go to the restaurant, get a $30 plate of sushi, and then complain that he's late on his bill. You're shooting yourself in the foot. You had the money. To, to, you could have, I mean, you know, I'm not saying it's fun, but you, you had food at the house you could have eaten. Is it the best? Is it the most nutritious? Not necessarily. But a belly full is a belly full. I, uh, and I have a problem with that. And that's so... Thinking about the song, uh, not the song, the refrain, I'm not giving away my shot. What does Hamilton mean by shot? Was it the alcohol in which he had the friends of Lorenz, Hercules, uh, Burr, and uh, I'm missing one. And uh, John, um, John, uh, oh, Le Lafayette. Well, Lafayette. Lafayette, uh, Lorenz, and Hercules. Hercules Mulligan. Yeah. Yeah, all right, that's, that's the four. Um, Yeah, looking at it, uh-uh, no, I, I, I can't, can't co-sign it, can't co-sign yeah, it whatsoever. So you, you, you think it is very clear to see that there was a line drawn where these were the antagonist of the story, at least, Not the, like versus I said, he, the uh, protagonist of the story. Hamilton was, a, Hamilton was his own antagonist. All they were, were, <clears throat> to quote Shakespeare, all the world was the stage. <laughs> <laughs> we all play our parts. <laughs> so everything Hamilton does, like I said, it's it's for his benefit. So for his benefit and for his detriment at the same time. He was so singularly focused on his shot that he never thought, is this still a worthwhile endeavor? Like, think about it for a second. That's like... You're going ahead and doing something against your own interests. 
I, I, <laughs> Scrooge McDuff, there's an example. You're in your quest to be so rich, you're about to dive out the helicopter to get that last gold coin. Marginal benefit, dude, doesn't work that way. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and so that's why I'm getting at it. Like, Hamilton kids, he keeps going forward. He keeps looking. He keeps pushing. He's right like a madman. He's doing all this stuff when, at what point is it okay for you to just sit down and says, my name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look upon my works, ye mighty, in despair. Or, as Rev. Ross said, God rested too. <laughs> <laughs> Six so, days of hard creation and you can't stop one day? I mean, it's important, I think, to look at the fact where Eliza told uh, Hamilton when he was fighting the war and everything like that, she said the only thing she wanted him to do was survive. It would be enough. One, so one thing I never brought up to you as well that I really appreciated with the dichotomy between... Eliza and Hamilton, have you ever read Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist? Yes. That's what I kept thinking of Eliza. The good, dutiful wife who's waiting for her husband to come home from port. And he never would come home. Like, and that's what I said. What point is, what defines satisfaction for you? Hmm. A hot dog? A steak? <laughs> I, for, <laughs> it, it depends for a different person. It means different things, of course. For me, uh, it would mean being able to provide my family with whatever they not just satisfaction would be what they needed. Uh, happiness would be what they wanted. Which brings me to something else I thought of. I spoke to you about it before in the world of. Revolutions. To quote Immortal Technique, my revolution is born out of love for my people, not hatred for others. However, that love sure looks like a loaded gun. And I'm not saying he's wrong. Met Immortal Technique twice. I agree with his, his, his stances because if you wouldn't have put me in this situation, I wouldn't be snapping back. All I want to do is give my equal share as well. You know what I mean? The problem is, is that capitalism inherently defines there's an income disparity. It's inherent to the actual system, which a lot of people don't realize. Um, I uh, I want to know what was Hamilton still fighting for at the end of it, because it's one of those people that he could never release the wheels and just pedal on his own. You know what I mean? Let it. He, as as a parent, you was always so protective of your child. You never let go of the bicycle for fear that the child was going to fall. Sometimes you have to fall, you have to get your bruises and scrapes so you can do so you can learn and do better. Now mind you, if we could avoid it, I'm all for that. Like there's no point to go ahead. Why do you lock the front door so nobody steals? So you're just gonna leave the front door open? Of course not. <laughs> but there is a balance that does have to get stricken. And here's the thing too. You wanna make sure that if the country can run itself on its own without your influence, because you know what? We haven't found the fountain of youth yet. So it's gonna have to happen anyway. Well, how about you do it sooner than later? Which I think is why George Washington's, I don't want to, <laughs> to quote Volrath the Fallen, <laughs> I stepped down. <laughs> I was not pushed out. <laughs> yes, yeah, so uh, that, I think, was the crux of Hamilton. I think that was the argument of Hamilton, uh, which was better. 
And uh, I think the discussion we had today um, brings up more questions than answers on some degree, which is always a good thing. Because without the more questions than answers, you lead to an end of the discussion. And you want to keep this discussion going. Oh, to go ahead and make it easier. What's the biggest room? The room where it happens. Nope, the room for improvement. Which is the room where it happens. Nah. (laughs) But you know what? Something I also want to go ahead and go over as well is going back to uh, Angelica Schuyler. Specifically, I you know the names of, the, of all the songs. I don't. I'm just like, oh, the one where they did this. When for what I call rewind, satisfied. Yeah, same thing. Rewind. That song was amazing for me because one thing we never get to see often enough is a a conflicting view that's in no way conflicting with me with my point of view. So case in point, you're an, a face narrator. You're on the sidelines watching this. You have no, no dog in the fight, which you feel very passionate about it. So in the case of, as much as she found Hamilton attractive, she was able to go ahead and sit down and push her sister to the limelight. I thought that was a great piece of storytelling, as well as uh, using the stagecraft for indicating Lorenz's death as well. And also, for lack of a better term, the Hamilton's life flashing before his eyes and when all of the other members of the play and all the various members of their life were showing what he was doing, what he was thinking of, and what it meant by giving away his shot. And Hamilton theoretically pulling his shot so that way he would not hit Burr to ensure that the country would have strong enough leadership. That's a question I have right there. From the perspectives we have to doing this, the unanswered questions. How do we answer them? Should we answer them? Will we answer them? Like, would you like to see Manuel Miranda do Burr? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would. I, th- I think I would still pay attention to it. Now, do I think it would be able to make an entire play? Probably not. Not after we know the entire show. Okay, and- I disagree with you. You know why? Because we already knew how Darth Vader got uh, made. But we never <laughs> knew how Darth Vader got made. Everybody went to go ahead and see that Star Wars for what? To see the fight. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think it does open up the fact that, uh, as a lot of people said, Burr, from the perspective of Hamilton, from Burr's point of view, is very interesting because you have a guy that basically um, starts out uh, at the same situation, whereas he is an orphan, he doesn't have much uh, at they, home, and he builds himself around it. Yeah, he's a great foil for they're, they're great foil for each other. It, it's awesome for that. Like it's one of those things where <laughs> when Prince performed at the Super Bowl and, and performed Purple Rain, and the sky opened up and raindrops fell, he's like, "I'll set this up." <laughs> it's just too easy. Like y'all, no, 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 no. It's, that's too Hollywood. You know what I mean? Right. But Cobra Kai was amazing because you know what? It gave us another perspective, and it gave us nuance. And with that nuance, we were able to go ahead and say, "Was Johnny that bad? Was Daniel the bad guy?" Like <laughs> the the Reddit, uh, the subreddit, the Empire did nothing wrong. 
<laughs> I have seen it quite often, yeah. And one of the things Burr always said was do what? Hold your thoughts close to your chest. He's citing one of the 48 laws of power. And he and he always was trying to, for a, the majority of the plate, he was trying to teach Hamilton what would work best for him. Talk less. Smile more. <laughs> Don't let them know what you're reading or what you're for. So I learned two things. Number one, you're not on Broadway for a reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but number two, you're telling me this country was invented on brown nosing? Yes. <laughs> Is it a surprise? Ah, yeah. <laughs> it's disappointing. I'll say that much. It's highly disappointing. I mean, think about that for a second. The entirety of this country is based on pork barrel. You know what I mean? Is how can we go ahead and get an agreement across that none of us want to agree to? But if you look at it, the way societies are based are very similar to that. I mean, let's take, for instance, one, one book that I believe we've all had to read for school, Lord of the Rings. I, I mean, not. Lord of the Flies. Sorry. First off, I haven't read either. And I'm saying that because I've tried to go through Hobbit all the way through. Can't get through Hobbit. It's just yeah. harsh. You knew that was the wrong one, but go ahead. <laughs> I did not know. I was like seven years old and said, oh, a book about swords and stuff. I'll pick it up. Man. Hashtag failure. Uh, I have never read either. I saw the movie, and that's so American of me as well. So you saw, saw a lot of the flats? Movie? Mm-hmm. Okay. I saw. I also saw Lord of the Rings 2 Towers. I didn't see all of them. And to this day, excuse my French, Y'all shouldn't have did piggy that. That is wrong. <laughs> that little boy did nothing y'all y'all to drop a whole rock and crack his head like that. Yeah. That, no, that, was just un, that was unsettling to say the least. Uh, no. Uh, so go ahead and continue. I'm sorry. Well, I, what I was just going to say is societal uh, norms dictate that that is brown nosing is actually going to get you a solution and get you way further then actually working your way and earning your way through it and, and doing the hard work through it, unfortunately, you know? And uh, that's the one thing in which you want to keep in mind is it is mirroring society, basically. Mirroring society or creating society? Yes. Cop out. Uh. <laughs> it's a fair cop out, but it's a cop out. <laughs> so, you know what? There's something else I, I talked about as well, and this is one of the reasons why I'm not a... Broadway person is because Broadway assumes you're intelligent enough to follow along with the play, which I am. However, when you have as much nuance as Hamilton, I don't want to assume. I want to make sure that I don't have any blanks filled in. So case in point, if you're trying to portray a message, why did you pick the Battle of Yorktown out of all the plays there? You know what I mean? Although the skirmishes that were possible to pick while you're going through the Revolutionary War in this country is founding and gaining independence. Of all the things you could have picked, why did you pick this? Why was it important? And I never felt that Lin-Manuel Miranda gave me enough context for the, the events shown in Hamilton's life. Does that make sense? Because I believe if he would have defined them more, I could have followed better. Like, we know he's an immigrant. We know he's a bastard son of a whore. We know he's a Creole bastard. Cool. He, he started from the bottom. Now he's here. Gotcha. But what about all this other stuff that happened? Why is it important? 
Why do we care? I, I, I feel your point. You would have to know a lot about um, American history to understand the importance of the Battle of Yorktown. And uh, that that is true. Um, I think that the... And the, sorry to cut you off. And another mm-hmm. nuance is this, is that let's say you are a history buff and you understand the Battle of Yorktown. If it's... It seems to me you would choose the road not taken. We know Yorktown is important. What led up to Yorktown? Maybe you would pick one of the funneling points that leads there. And that would be more astute and more meaningful than picking the obvious option. You know what I mean? Right. And that, that, that is one thing in which you, uh, you have to realize is that uh, a little bit of understanding is important. But also, I'm not exactly sure if the battle itself was actually the reason behind the song. I think it was more the fact that this was Hamilton's chance at his first real chance at leadership. I think that that was what you would get the feeling because remember during the song, Lafayette says in command as you belong. You know what? There's one thing that does worry me is that if as Americans, we believe in hard work providing you a result, why wasn't Hamilton in charge already? And here's a better question. I agree with that. Yeah. And here's a better question as well. And to give you an idea of context, if the year is not precisely stated, we have no clue how old Hamilton is at the time something happens. So we do understand that 18 is our magic number now. In that time, everything got shifted a little bit earlier. So we do know, you know, he's an educated man by 15. Very educated. But when he died, he was, what, 51? Yeah, I think so. So we have some play to go between 12, 15, and 51 to figure where each part of your life is. And that would help give me a better train of thought of what you're doing. Like, okay, the marriage is a big deal because now you're considering your wife. Now you're considering the fact that you have a son. Those were important milestones, and I see why you put them in. But knowing his age... And being able to use that as a, a secondary gauge for maturity, that might have helped endear him even more. Because you're telling me a 51-year-old man is going around, I'm not going around wasting my shot. Seems like the play would have been better off if the refrain would have been altered like word by word throughout the play. Does that make sense? Yeah, and and you know, the truth about it is... Um one, if, if you look, there's a, a video on YouTube. I'm trying to remember what it's called right now, and I should. But look it up. It's about um, it's uh, about Wait For It. That's what the name of the video is. And it's, uh, it has to deal with um, the words Wait For It and the evolution they take throughout the play. And then in the end, when you see the word Wait For It, the motif Wait For It turned into Paid For It. At the very end of it. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and you see the gradual, it's not the evolution per se of the actors in age, but it is the gradual uh, evolution of those words in age. Oh, excuse me. You know what? Also, uh, an elephant in the room, just go ahead and get this out the way. You can't take all this play in one sitting. Let's, let's, let's make sure that's obvious and stated. And yeah, de- definitely. Like, I plan to watch it again. Like I said, I was happy enough that I watched it that I'm going to watch it again. So, quick recommendation. 
If you have not seen Hamilton and you are a U.S. resident, I believe, excuse me, U.S. citizen, I believe you should watch it. If you're a resident, it's better to shit, to shit this on Netflix, so you may as well do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those, man. Like the, uh, I'm, shoot, I'm trying to think of the name of this damn movie. The best thing I watched on Netflix recently is the, uh, uh, the retailing of the Cyrano de Bergerac movie. Uh, can't think of the name of the movie. It's with Lee Lewis. Oh, shoot. This is what happens when you get old. The half of it. The Netflix series, the half of it, I enjoyed. So that, that's the best thing I've seen on there for a while. So watch this. Enjoyed it. Would do it again. But uh, Lin-Manuel, I'm sorry I'm calling you out on this one. Your facial expressions were amazing. I think you were able to, because of Broadway, intimate the frustration, confusion, happiness of the character. But I'm calling out on two things. Number one, you did the damn Tootsie Roll, and I do not appreciate that <laughs> in stockings and hard-bottom buckle shoes. No. 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 That's not, no. No. You do not rock it in the club like that. Don't appreciate it. Don't co-sign it whatsoever. The second one, and this is me uh, as a non-musician, and as a binary consumer, I did not like Lin-Manuel Miranda's voice. His voice, especially when he would speak with Burr, maybe this was planned, but when he go, Burr, sir, like he had a crack or a lilt to his voice. And his, I don't know if it was implied or needed for the character, but I was never a fan of it. I wonder how it would have been if you would have had somebody else play the role. Like, I think Hamilton, look to me, and Miranda could have done King George well. I think he could have did maybe Madison or Jefferson well. But I would love to see, I believe the character, the, the actor's name is Leslie Odom, the man who did Burr. Mm-hmm. I believe he could have did Hamilton infinitely better. Yeah. Well, Voice-wise. Not, not, yeah. not, not, not necessarily facial expression. Right. But that's one of the things that, for a musical too, and this is the key point. Sometimes the medium is the message or the message is carried through the medium because the fact that this is a musical. Bob Dylan was a voice of a generation. Was he the best voice? His voice grates. Like, I can't listen to Bob Dylan. I I can listen to Bob Dylan covers, but I can't listen to Bob Dylan. I can listen to his music. uh, His instrumentals? Instrumental. I cannot listen to his voice. Yeah, yeah. you're right. It, 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 it's, yeah. And so, <laughs> and look, and look, look. I, if I went ahead and cracked on Brother Wolf about singing, I sound like uh, a, a wildebeest that's going through a throat implant. I do not sing well. I'm not going to sit there and pretend. And I'm just curious to know if that was, how much practice have you had? Um, you know, how, how much of a vocalist are you? And was that a necessary feature of the character? That's something I'd like to explore as well. It's something I've never seen discussed in all the Hamilton stuff you've sent me throughout the years. Right. And um, and, and actually, this was the um, second play that he actually was voice, was a voice in. His first one, The Heights, was um, he also played one of the main roles in that one. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's not like it's his first play, but... You could tell that the other actors were definitely, um, 
I, I would say they were definitely above his weight class as far as vocal, <laughs> vocal chops were concerned. Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. And also, if you don't believe me, 3314 Disney Plus, that's when he does a tutu roll. Called out, wrote it down. I was just like, I'm so upset with you. I mean, my God, the, the woman that plays Angelica, the, some of the high notes she hit and satisfied were unbelievable. Oh, no, like, she, I, that Angelica's chop win. <laughs> Girl, you get it. Like, if somebody would go ahead and say, hey, I'm getting ready to watch this music, I'd be like, eh. It's got the girl who played Angelica in it. I'll stay for a song or two. <laughs> like, she literally could change my purchasing power, if that makes sense. So that's something I want to go ahead and give credit for as well. Um, this is going to sound a little messed up. But uh, time to crack on a bird right now. I don't know naming conventions that well. And considering America was, it is a melting pot, or at least it's supposed to be a melting pot. There are tons of names. But, Mr. Aaron Burr, he a doja? <laughs> Bruh. He a doja. That's her name? Yes, Thea Doja. That, that is her name. By the way, the actress that played Angelica, since we talked about her so much and we need to stop doing that, referring to her as the actress that played it, was Renee, uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry. She needs to get a lot of credit for that. Ms. Goldsberry, thumbs up, kudos to you. I, I just, it's one of those things that, as an American, I'm being such a chump right now. But <laughs> we know who it was. We, we, give, we give you your credit to the highest degree. Yes, but Theodosia. Yeah, that that was a name that was only popular back during that time. Absolutely. And to, and to also go ahead and hit on Burr as well, I think Miranda did not contrast Hamilton's discretion with Maria Reynolds and Burr's love of Theodosia enough. Like, I think if we could have, con- but we might not have known about it as much as well, depending on what the history books say. But going back to what I said earlier, dramatic license. You would have had those two together where Hamilton knew about Theodosia, but Burr goes ahead and says something about Reynolds. That's now character defining. That's a reason for Hamilton to duel with Burr. And it's also what? A reason for Burr to kill Hamilton because he knows a secret. And I believe the, uh, the quote by Ben uh, Franklin is, <laughs> three men can keep a secret if two are dead. <laughs> wow. <laughs> True. Um, that, it was that in the room when it happened. <laughs> you love it so damn much. <laughs> yeah, that, that that is true. And if you listen to the room where it happened, you will find that uh, uh, all everything is said from either Jefferson's point of view or Madison's point of view. Whereas in Jefferson's point of view, it's basically the fact that um, you know Hamilton came in disheveled and he helped uh, he helped steer the course of the meeting. And Madison's point of view. He was the mediator between the two of them. Both sides were so opposed to each other. And he was the uh, negotiator that wind up making it happen and everything like that. And unfortunately, we don't get to find out Hamilton's point of view because he's gone. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's one thing that is, I think, if you were to say what's the themes of Hamilton, I would say it's determination, rising above your station, and also writing your own narrative. Because the problem being is this, is that 
with his with the Reynolds pamphlet coming out, with his indiscretion with Maria Reynolds and Eliza Schuyler being shamed, for lack of a better term, you're always going to be in the history books who did this guy, who did this as this guy. Case in point, Kobe Bryant. The name's polarized because some people, he's one of the greatest basketballers ever. Some people, he's a rapist. Some people, he did nothing for the black community. Why did he marry that woman? That's not what I want for my legacy. I want my legacy to be like, not only was he awesome, not only what it did, I want to have a beer with him, I want to be like him or be better than him. I don't want somebody saying, oh yeah, he used to shit the bed all the time. I, I, I don't want that to be something hmm. I go ahead and be associated with, metaphorically or literally. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, and for, like I said, to give credit to Miranda with the rotating stage and Hamilton's life playing before his eyes in determining... Case, and that's the other thing that concerns me. Hamilton was in what? Like 10 duels before this? Uh, I wouldn't say rephrase. He was the second in multiple duels. That's something I do know yes, from looking at Yes, he was, he was the second in multiple Which duels. was not intimated in the play, which is something I didn't like. So, this always concerned me. You're telling me the man who's never fired a gun but always looked at one, you want to go and to, you want to go and be in a gunfight? Well, also, one thing that I, I that I think um, should be stated is by the time in which that gunfight happened, Hamilton had just lost his son. He just lost Philip. Yeah, and that was the basically that was the end of. Uh, I, I almost felt as though were it not for Eliza accepting him back after uh, some time after that happened, that would have been the point where as he felt he had nothing else left to live for. Um. I, I'm I'm fine with that one. I'm fine with that one. I just every time I look at it, I just go ahead and look at a man who has had no gunfighting experience, and your weapon was the pin. You could have smeared this man up and down uh, all day. Undoubtedly, he could have crushed Burr when it came to actually writing. You know, it had he have used his medium, the Washington Post, in order to write something on Burr, Incorrect. he could have New York Post. New York Post. I'm sorry. He could have very easily, um, he could have very easily crushed Burr. So is that a lesson to learn to go ahead and stay in your lane? Or do we need to go ahead and take our shot and always explore and rise up? I think that is the the core of the, of the play. Mm-mm, pick one. <laughs> <laughs> That's like saying you're telling me to pick in between Burr or Hamilton. No problem with that. <laughs> well, you pick one. <laughs> I asked you first. I gotta say, uh, between the two of them, one either does it too late and the other one does it too early. So I would have to say that which one was better in the situation? I'd have to give it to Hamilton. The only problem was was he went too far at the end. I believe throughout the majority of the story, it taught you that it's better to shoot your shot. But at the same point in time, you have to know when to pull back. Okay. And here's why I have a a question with that. And because of the obvious juxtaposition between the word shot and talking about going for your effort or your attempt and him theoretically pulling his shot, why didn't he shoot Burr? 
do you think that Hamilton actually made it a point to miss? He said that with, in the duel with his, when his son asked him about it, he told his son, if you are a man of honor, he said, you will raise it. You will raise your rifle to the sky. He says, and if he is a man of honor, he will follow suit. Isn't the whole point of a duel the fact that somebody don't have honor <laughs> and therefore that's why you fighting in the first place? <laughs> but I think that's how we would have known. And of course, Bird didn't know this at the time because, you know, this wasn't widely known how Hamilton felt about that. But at the same point in time, uh, I, I, I think that Hamilton proved at the end his ideology was probably stronger than Burr's but at the same point in time well, well back that up what do you mean stronger than that's be, uh because in the end he died with his goals in mind whereas Bo, whereas burr broke his rules in order to kill hamilton because he didn't wait for it he took his shot so he actually reversed the role with hamilton at that point okay and here's something i want to argue with you did he reverse the role or did he just grow and accept new standards? Because remember, he always what held close to till it was necessary. No, I, I think that was the problem. And I think that is the reason why Burr regretted. If you look at history, you will see after this duel, Burr was a ruined man. And I think that was the reason why was because in the end, I think he realized that he actually uh, for for gold his own uh his own ideology he said i'm going to i'm going to shoot my shot so to answer some questions i'm siding with burr i'm siding with burr for two reasons number one <laughs> biggie smalls who shot you <laughs> ooh <laughs> number one number two if Hamilton would have listened to Burr and just reined it in a little bit more I don't think there would have gotten to the point where they where everything went so far I, I, I believe and here's the other thing too we always talk about love and all and power and all and, and, and how it's the great power and it's unifying that conflict with Burr liking a, uh, someone who is of British descent. Like, it was like, it was like, so like <laughs> to quote Aaron Magruder, the great Aaron Magruder. Yes, there's an individual of terrorist descent. <laughs> That's what Theodosia was. You were in love with a terrorist by your own definitions. And that was a huge conflict. You're trying to fight for this revolution. You're, you're the same Creole bastard as Hamilton. You want the same equality. You don't want to go go ahead and have to uh, <laughs> have your wife go ahead and open up an orphanage so that situation will never happen again. I uh, I side with Burr. Yeah. The fact that he shot him and the fact that he was trying to teach him all along, and I believe if we would have followed what Burr said from jump, we could have gotten further off in the long run. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it took us over uh, 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 quite a while to get to it, but we both got the answers that we sought. This is Brother Wolf. 
Collins here. Oh, this gin hurts. <laughs> and we're signing off. Collins, and thank you for listening to the Benchmark Podcast, product of Benchmark Media, LLC, where we always attempt to establish a positive benchmark. We would like to remind everyone that the views and opinions expressed are strictly the views and opinions of each individual, and those views do not reflect the stance of Benchmark Media. Any opinion stated is not to be construed as professional advice or help. Please contact the professional for any help you may require. We'd like to thank all of our guests for their contributions, and of course to you, our listening family. Don't forget any of our sponsors. Please visit and support them as well. Our intro and outro music is Acid Trumpet by Kevin McLeod. Remember to contact us at therealbenchmarkpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on all our social media outlets, such as Facebook or Instagram. And if you'd like to be a friend of the show, you can donate to us via our PayPal. Or you can donate me a drink. All rights reserved by Benchmark Media, LLC. Collins out.